Well, hello, everybody. My name is Adam Shaw, and this is The Restorationist. And I hope this podcast today finds you well and in good health. I'm so thankful that you've joined me. And man, isn't this the craziest, wildest time to be alive? I can't remember anything quite like COVID-19 and the impact that it's had upon the whole world. But in the midst of it all, I'm thankful. I'm thankful for the leading and the direction of the Holy Spirit. And I'm thankful for the church, the whole church, the global apostolic church, because his truth, as the old song says, is still marching on. And that's the purpose of the next several episodes here on the podcast. And that's to talk to church leaders who are leading their congregations through this crisis, and they're doing so well and with great impact. We're going to be interviewing a diverse group of leaders across across the North American continent and across varying church sizes. We're we'll interviewing Pastor Akil Thompson, who recently relaunched a church in Mississauga, Ontario. We're also going to be speaking to Pastor Ryan Dean, who serves as the assistant pastor of a, a well-established large church in Bossier City, Louisiana. And we also are going to be talking to our guest today, pastor who is a familiar name to many of you, Pastor Michael Enzi, former general youth president of UPCI Youth Ministries and now pastor of Christian Life Center in Heath, Ohio. And I'm so excited to have him as our guest today. He is a dynamic apostolic leader, and he is leading his church through and into greater revival despite all the things that are happening in the world. And he has some amazing things to share with us today. Hope this blesses your life. So then, any further ado, let's get right into our interview today. Very, very honored to have you with us today, bro. Um, thank you for being on the uh, on the podcast today. Thank you so much, Adam. It is an honor to be on The Restorationist. So many of us know you from um, your years at the uh, General Youth Division, now UPCI Youth Ministries, um, and uh, you served there for a number of years. But now for the past um, couple of years, you have been in Heath, Ohio, as the senior pastor of Christian Life Center in Heath, Ohio. Could you tell us a little bit about kind of how you came to CLC Heath? What What's the journey from, you know, headquarters in St. Louis to, to Ohio? Absolutely. Well, it was such a privilege to serve our organization and have the opportunity of working from local level, district level and then to be a part of the general youth division now upci youth ministries and uh, just an incredible honor to serve in that capacity and as we were preparing to make that transition back into local ministry whatever that context might be uh, and just seeking god and looking toward our future really that last year that we were in st louis up until that point we really thought we knew what our future was going to hold. The plan had been for us to go back to Texas, to transition there. My father pastors in the Houston area, and he would transition to Bishop. We would become pastor of Living Way Church in Conroe, Texas. For seven years that we were in St. Louis, that was the plan. 
And at the beginning of that final year there, God just said, no, you're not going to be going back to Texas. And for several months, we were just in limbo, really, uh, trying to figure out what exactly does that mean. We felt very settled in St. Louis. We thought maybe that was going to be the future God had for us. There were a few opportunities there, even continuing just in organizational leadership capacities. So as we began to seek God, we we prayed two specific things. We prayed, number one, that God would speak very clearly to us. There are some decisions that we've made in ministry and even different transitions or maybe what we might call more minor decisions where maybe you just have a sense of peace or you feel like God's opened a door and you step through it. Maybe there wasn't handwriting on the wall, it wasn't an audible voice, but you have that sense this is the will of God. We prayed so specifically, God, we need to hear from you. This is a major life move. The rest of our lives are going to be impacted by this decision, our future, our ministry. We prayed so specifically, God, speak to us. And then number two, God, give us a burden. And we will follow that burden wherever it leads. And we put no preconditions on where it might lead us. And God did that for us. He spoke so clearly. And he gave us a burden for Christian Life Center here in Heath. And it was such a God thing. We had zero connections to the local church here. We had never been to this area. We had no connections to Ohio other than a few friends and churches that I'd ministered in and had ministered a few times in the district. But even that had been pretty limited. And so God spoke to us very clearly. We preached here in June of 2017 for the very first time. Had never met a single soul from the church preached on that Sunday and on Monday morning, God said, will you go? Wow. And when, when God asks those kinds of questions, typically there's only one response. <laughs> there's, yeah. there's not a, uh, uh, nah, not interested God. It, it was a rhetorical question. Will you go? There was only one answer. And I, I happened to be in my kitchen at the moment, getting ready to go on a run early that Monday morning. And God just interrupted my plans that morning, said, will you go? I said, yes, Lord, and really began to pray the prayer of Moses in Exodus 33. If your presence will go with us, we will go. Wow. And that's, that's been kind of uh, the, the foundation of our ministry here, that, that God said go. He, he's been with us every step of the way. And so no matter what we have faith in any unique circumstances, challenges, any of those things, We've had this confidence that God called us. He gave us a burden for this church. He said, go. And he said, I'm going to go with you. And we just feel like we can face anything, any challenge, because God's with us. That's amazing. Um, it's, it was, it's so cool to hear, you know, how the Lord just has the ability to take and lead your life. And knowing he's with you, you kind of have this, this confidence that whatever comes your way, in ministry leadership that you're in the will and plan of God. And so it's a matter of figuring out how to address the issues that you face. It's not a matter of, you know, did I, did I make the wrong move? And so am I facing opposition because I'm out of the will of God? No, you heard very clearly. And now you are in a place where, well, the, the whole world is facing, um, is facing an issue uh, the COVID-19 pandemic. And that's kind of why we have you here today is, okay, you, you're in a place where God has called you. God has equipped you to face the challenges that lay ahead in ministry, and you knew that he was going to be with you. And now you're leading 
um, Christian Life Center in Heath, Ohio, uh, through probably the defining crisis of not just a generation, but probably a century. Um, and and so that's kind of wanted to, what I wanted to talk to you about today is how you're leading CLC Heath through this COVID-19 pandemic that has most of the world, if not all of the world, on on really on lockdown. And it, it's, yeah. it's, it's crazy to even say that because I remember being in high, I was in high school during 9-11. I was in my last year of high school during, during 9-11. And I thought this is the most defining thing that will happen in the world, probably in my life. I remember having that internal conversation in the library when I saw the second plane hit. And I think that this, for many people, because it's so global, may even eclipse what I thought would be the defining moment of, of the world in my lifetime. And so uh, that's what I want to kind of talk to. I want to talk about how you're leading COVID-19, um, or leading your church through COVID-19, but for context sake, so because we're interviewing um, a few other pastors in um, of different sized churches in different areas, uh, we already know you're in Heath, Ohio. Uh, what would be the average, you know, the pre-COVID average attendance of your church for context? The first few months of this year, our average Sunday attendance was right around 425. Okay. 425. Praise God. That's incredible. So we're very thankful for that. How has how has COVID-19 impacted your local church? What what sort of impacts has has it had? Let me let me say this first of all, just concerning our church, that the reason that my family is here is because our church has gone through an incredible crisis within the last few years. About three and a half years ago, our church lost its pastor. Uh, our, our church is over seventy years old. I'm just the fifth pastor in the history of our church. So the fourth pastor of the church was James Kirk. He'd been pastor for 16 years. He was in his mid-40s, and he tragically passed away. He had preached on Sunday in perfect health. On Monday, he passed away in a tragic accident. And so it threw the church into this incredible crisis, as you can imagine. A good-sized wow. church, good-sized leadership team. And so... A year later, that was October of 2016, a year later, October of 2017, we moved on site. We were elected in August, moved on site in October. So we've been here now about two and a half years. And so God, for whatever reasons that he saw fit to put us here to help navigate this church through this crisis, it it feels like we have been in crisis management for the past two and a half years. Wow, undoubtedly. And so... As we enter into this new crisis that we're facing, I, I believe in so many ways, and I'll share several other ways that I feel like God has prepared us, but I think for our church family, we have had to come together in a, a very unified focus and in a very intentional way over the past few years just to get to where we are today that God has prepared us, the adversity that we have faced in the last few years, that this is, while it is so global, 
in its impact. As far as the local impact here, our church has this confidence that we've come through some stuff the past few years, and this virus, while it is serious, it is real, it is global, it's certainly impacting every aspect of our lives, but it is not going to overwhelm us. It's not going to destroy us. It's not taking out the church. We've faced adversity before. We've come through adversity, and we're going to make it through this, and we're going to come out bigger, better, stronger than ever before. And I think that's that's really throughout the history of the church. You can you can see how God has used the church in times of adversity, and how God has used adversity to further the gospel. That was my first message that I preached uh, the the first Sunday that we were online only, no on-site attendance. I preached from Acts chapter four. When adversity came against the church, they didn't pray that God would take away the adversity. They prayed for boldness in the face of it. And uh, my my title was, You Can't Stop the Spread, obviously playing on words there, the yeah. spread of this virus that we're dealing with, but you can't stop the spread of the gospel. And what the religious leaders were trying to do in Acts 4 was stop the spread of the name of Jesus, but you just can't. A virus isn't going to stop it. Govern, government action, culture, none of those things are going to be able to stop the church. And so that, that was my message our first couple of weeks. Can't stop the spread. Second week was you can't stop the church. I continued on into the end of Acts 4, and you can't stop a unified church. Uh, when the church came together, they had all things common. They were of one heart, one soul. And so as far as our, our local church here uh, and, and the impact, I obviously it's impacting every family, every individual church, the, the practical side of it. Of, of how we operate certainly has been impacted, but it's certainly not stopping the church. And I really believe that God is going to use it to to bring about uh, even greater harvest and greater revival. Thankfully, our, our governor here in Ohio has designated the church as an essential service within our community. That's a blessing. And so we're, we're still able to meet at least as far as our, our leadership team, ministry team, worship teams coming together and, uh, providing online worship services for our church family. We are trying to be very careful, and and we have adjusted accordingly over the past few weeks to stay within uh, government recommendations, health guidelines, and at this point, we are trying to maintain that 10-person or less uh, rule as far as close proximity. So uh, thankfully, though, that we are still able to function to that degree, and let me, let me just give you a little foundation for for answering this question, the effect, because I, I I believe that God so prepared our church specifically just here in our local context for what we're facing, what we're going through. And, and a little bit later, we'll talk about some of the practical way that we're dealing with the implications of this new reality that we're all facing. But I, I really believe this current crisis is revealing more than it's producing in the church. Yeah, and that that that's typically what happens when stress and pressure are present. They're a revealer of character. Stress is not a creator of character. Typically, we we don't normally become better people because we're under stress. It just reveals who we are. Wow. And something that I saw saw recently from Carrie Newhoff, who's a Toronto pastor, wrote the book "Didn't See It Coming," which if you haven't read, you need to need to read that book. Our leadership team is about to go through that book. Just powerful principles. But he said this a few days ago, crisis is an accelerator, and that is absolutely the case right now. 
crisis is speeding things up. But the thought occurred to me, crisis doesn't dictate direction. It speeds things up in the direction you're already headed. Hmm. So that can be a good thing or it can be a very bad thing. It can. Oh, man, that is so good. Orientation. Yes. So crisis is this accelerator and direction is so critical right now. So for so many churches and organizations, whatever direction you were headed, this crisis has sped up. It's accelerated that. And if you were not prepared for it, now there a lot of people are in scramble mode. But I, I feel like God so prepared our church for what we're facing right now. I, in my, my morning devotion today, I was reading Matthew 25, the parable of the ten virgins. And a phrase just leapt off the page to me. It said, the bridegroom was delayed. Yeah. Bridegroom was delayed in his coming. And and all of the virgins in that parable, they all got weary. They all slept. Even the wise fell asleep at a critical moment. And and I really believe that this pandemic we're facing is a very gracious wake-up call for the church. Hmm. There's just no doubt we're in the end time. God is setting the world up for the rapture of the church. We're seeing globalization accelerated, moving toward one world government, one world currency. We're seeing all those things happen. And yet I I do believe that we're going to get through this and probably enter into a time of peace and probably prosperity. Things are going to turn around. And for many people, they will return to normal. They'll just fall back into that apathetic, distracted, temporal existence, even people within the church. But I, I'm praying and believing that for my local church and the apostolic church that we would not allow that to happen, that we would enter into a season of radical sacrifice and radical evangelism and discipleship through every innovative means that we can possibly find. And I really believe for those who are ready that we'll see an acceleration into a great global harvest before the Lord comes back. Wow. these I'm are believing that that's going to happen. These are incredible words, and um, you know I'm excited. Given that is the filter through which you're addressing, you know you're addressing this this worldwide pandemic for your local church. I'm excited to see what God is what God is going to do, and um, through through this, I, I know in our local church, um, I have not read that book yet, but that's going to go on my list. But crisis being an accelerator. Um, I, you know, obviously it was, uh, here it, the change has been incredibly dynamic, you know, as far as restrictions being levied on, uh, on, on our province and our nation here in Canada, um, the, the, it was shifting at one point, it was shifting every few days. Uh, and so you'd, we would make a plan and then we'd scrap it and we'd make a plan and we'd scrap it. And it was this constant, you know, constant pivoting. Uh, which uh, I I don't enjoy doing. I like to have things planned out, uh, yes. and so it was it was stressful. But then once we started, you know, kind of moving forward, and we're like, okay, God, you're going to help us. Uh, we're just going to respond to it and make adjustments as it comes. We're going to lead through our vision, lead through our core values, and the application of of that is is going is going to be dynamic. But we're just we're going to make it happen. Um, I that we were in this huge swing of momentum in our church leading up to 
um, leading up to this this year and through this this year, breaking, shattering it to our attendance records, and um, and since this has happened, because crisis is an accelerator, that can't wait to share that with our team later tonight. Um, crisis is an accelerator. We have we have seen a swing of momentum um, in in the right wow. direction, and I was so. I was blown away. Maybe it's because I don't have enough faith. <laughs> Maybe I had a lack of faith, but I was like, okay, let's, let's see. Let's see what, you know, it's going to be a little harder. Let's see how, how we can push this. As my dad says, flat rock up a hill. Um, uh, I was thinking, you know, we'll get, we'll, we'll move forward. We'll be okay. But then stuff started happening where, you know, we're baptizing people, um, and uh, and and people in our church are coming alive with evangelism like aggressively, uh, and you know we're we're having people um, you know watch our services and pray through all over the world, and uh, it, it's 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 been wild. But you're right, crisis is is an accelerator. Um, let, let's let's shift to practical matters now. Obviously, the the first kind of crisis conversation that you have with the leadership team is what do we do about Sunday? Because we can't meet. Yeah. So in in the North American context, and in, in fact, in a lot of global contexts, the church gathers together on the Lord's Day. That's what we do. It's what we've always done. We meet in a common place. So how, Absolutely. how are you managing Sunday? Walk us through what a Sunday online experience looks like, and, and even if that's evolved over time. Um, you know, talk us through those evolutions if you would like. But but how how are you handling Sunday? What does Sunday online look like for you guys? Absolutely. Well, let me let me lay the foundation for this part of our discussion. Last year, I I started on this just a discipleship focus, and our theme for 2019 was deeper. Isaiah 54. Strengthen your stakes and lengthen your cords. And so I declared to our church, this is going to be a year of digging deeper because we're about to lengthen our cords. We're going to strengthen the foundation so that we can increase our reach. And discipleship was a big part of that focus. Well, in the midst of that, in connecting with Stan Gleason, who wrote his book, Follow to Lead, about discipleship, and talking with him, I was teaching a discipleship series on Sundays. We were teaching through his book in our individual classes on Sundays. I was also doing a Wednesday night series. I had all these series going on at the same time, teaching through a series on Wednesday night. This is through the middle part of last year on vision and values. We were really focusing on our church culture and shaping culture. And in the midst of that, I, I kind of started this personal quest to increase capacity. And we had a, a conversation last year yeah, I remember that. Uh, just as I was on this quest and then came across your podcast talking about 2 Kings chapter 4 and increasing capacity. And so we had that conversation. You followed up with another powerful podcast on organizational capacity. And so I, I started this year, 2020, with a theme for our church of increasing capacity. It oh, wow. It's going to be a, a, a continued focus. This is it. We are increasing our capacity. And I said, here's how it's going to happen. Second Kings chapter number four, one phrase I took out of that was the question that the prophet asked the widow when he said to her, what do you have in your house? Hmm. And so 
the the miracle, the potential, the capacity, all of that was dependent upon what she had in her house. And so in January, I preached a four-week series on Sundays called My House, focusing on the home. And Joshua's declaration, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I talked about the foundation, the interior, the exterior. Those are the four weeks. And so just this renewed focus on the home, that that must be the inspiration for our spirituality. That must be the flow of spiritual influence. It must be from the home to the church to the community. Because if the flow of spiritual influence is from the church into the home, it'll never make it into the community. Because the home is simply on spiritual life support. The church is just barely keeping it alive. But if the home is the source of that spiritual inspiration and it flows from the home into the church, then it will make it into the community. I came across a quote from Pastor Jeff Harpole in Terre Haute, Indiana, during this time as I was getting ready. And I used this quote in every Sunday in January. And this is what he said. Over time, the church as an entity has begun to slowly conform to the idea that the most important part of its existence happens where its buildings are located. Think about this in the current context. Yes. I, I use this quote every Sunday in January that the church has conformed to this idea that its most important part of its existence happens where its buildings are. But the generational church, or the the church that involves every generation, challenges this concept and submits that in order to be a biblically-based body of believers, the church begins in the home and extends outward into every strata of life, including our houses of worship. So the entire month of January, I am hammering this. Spirituality, it has to start in the home. The flow of influence has to be the home, then to the church, then to the community. So God so prepared us and got us ready for what we're facing right now. On a practical side, God brought several individuals into our media team this past year. We purchased equipment in December that right now we would not be able to do what we're doing in our online worship services if we had not acquired that equipment in December, obviously having no clue what was coming, but God was preparing us. And it's what I've been telling our church. We have never been more prepared, more ready than we are right now to not just manage this crisis, not just survive, but thrive in the very unique reality that we're dealing with today. So all that to say, just to lay that foundation, when it comes to our our Sunday services and what we're doing right now and how we're managing that, I'll I'll give you our initial plan and process for really for our two weekly main services, Sunday and Wednesday, and then share with you how we've adjusted that plan even more recently. One thing that that I believe is critical right now for every pastor, for every church, is that you have to be adaptable and flexible. Yes. You, you just have to be able to adjust on the fly. And today's plan may not work tomorrow. So you just have to be ready. Your leadership team has to be ready to adjust. So we started out pre-recording our Wednesday and Sunday services. And the reasoning was we, we didn't want to just get by and, and, and put out there some kind of mediocre presentation of our church and who we are and even a, you know what might be perceived as a mediocre presentation of worship and the gospel. So we had the equipment and we had the personnel to do something creative. We wanted to help facilitate a worship atmosphere in our home that was very engaging and brought the viewer into service. So we turned our platform into a recording studio. We set up our singers and our musicians in a circle. So we were basically facing each other. Uh, 
you know, the reality was everybody knows that the sanctuary is empty. We're, we're, we're not faking people out by acting yeah. like we're singing and preaching to people in the pews. And so, so I have preached every, every message I've preached online under these current circumstances has been with my back to the empty pews. Because I want to communicate something. Our focus is not the empty sanctuary. Our focus is on the people that we're ministering to through that online broadcast. So the background has been the empty sanctuary. It, that's cool. I think it does two things. It communicates, number one, that's not my focus. But also for the person who's watching, they're looking in that sanctuary thinking, okay, well, that, that's where I would normally sit. And maybe that's one more additional connection for them as they're viewing that service. So we felt like this format enabled us to be even more evangelistic in our reach. Our, our people, our saints and members of the church, most of them at least, will probably watch whatever we put out there online. They're not as worried about the quality or the creativity, but we wanted to appeal to that person who is unchurched. Can we get their attention? You know, while, while they're more spiritually sensitive right now, I, I believe than ever before, maybe frightened by the uncertainty of their future and their finances and all of these things they're facing, can we reach that unchurched person? And we didn't want to just get by. We didn't want to just manage. So we felt like it was a missional approach to doing online ministry by pre-recording, doing uh, a lot of post-production to try to create just a really engaging worship service and, and worship atmosphere. So Monday night, we pre-recorded for Wednesday, and then Wednesday night, we pre-recorded for Sunday. And that gave us time for post-production mixing of the audio, creative work with the video. We had seven cameras, and uh, we're just able to really create almost a, a music video kind of feel for our worship services. But we have we have made some adjustments moving forward. So that was how we started out, recording Wednesday and Sunday. Just just this last week, we started going live on Wednesday nights. Uh, I'm in the middle of a series right now, The Pathway to Pentecost. It corresponds with the timing of Palm Sunday and Easter Sunday. That was already in the works before all this happened. So I'm continuing on with that plan. But we've now gone live on Wednesday nights. It is giving our music and media team a little bit of a break because it was an intense schedule with the recording and the post-production. For me, it's given me a little bit of a mental break because when you're when you're living three or four days in the future, and every time you're preaching and speaking, you're trying to think, you know, it's Wednesday, but I'm trying to think Sunday, and what do I want to say on Sunday, and what do I need to communicate, and just the mental stress and, and weight of that was was pretty intense. So. We've now adjusted where Sundays are still going to be pre-recorded, but Wednesdays will be live. And I think we were also missing the raw, kind of that real-time intensity and interaction with, with people uh, in, in our church. And so last night, uh, as we went on uh, live for Wednesday night, uh, this last week, we, um, we were able to do some real-time interaction with our people. That's cool. We, we, I had Facebook Live up, and I was giving shout-outs to people that were joining us on the broadcast and connecting with us. So it gave it gave us that opportunity for some real real connection with our people. Now, uh, for Easter Sunday, our format was a drive-in service, and thankfully we got approval from our local officials, police department, mayor's office, uh, county health department director – got their approval and was able to do a drive-in service. People stayed in their vehicles, listened to FM frequency. So that was that was our Easter Sunday plan. Coming up uh, this next Sunday, I'm actually doing a replay 
of the first message that I preached in January in the My House series, because I feel like it is so relevant to where we're living right now. And I feel like we need to reemphasize that focus on the home. So what I will do is MC leading into the worship service. I'll pre-record that and we'll add that in. And then I'll give a little uh, just intro into my message. So we'll supplement with some some new video that will help introduce that that service again and the message that I preached. So that is that's our Sunday Wednesday format right now, and uh, I feel like moving forward for the next few weeks and maybe a month, it looks like at least that we'll be dealing with this reality. I think that's going to be a, a format that works for us going live on Wednesday and pre-recording on Sunday. I, I, just to kind of this is an off the top of my head kind of question. I know for our church, there's been so much that we've learned through this crisis um, that is going to change how we do things when we all come back together. Uh, just off the top of your head, is there is there anything that, you know, as you've walked, you know, you've you've done this, new online kind of worship experience your church has been led through this crisis is there anything that you've that has impacted you where you're like you know what when we all come back together here's something i've here's something i've learned that you know we're not going to go back to the old normal um in this particular way is there anything like that for you through this definitely definitely we had been i would say already trying to be more intentional about engaging our online audience Obviously, the current circumstances have taken this to an entirely new level when you're only speaking to an online audience. But I think moving forward, probably for every church globally, we're going to be more intentional and I think just aware of that online audience that is out there. So we've been live streaming at our church for years, many years, but that that focus has been something I think will carry over will be more engaging with that online audience. And uh, I, I think also the pre-recording aspect of, of what we've been doing has forced a certain focus and I think level of excellence within our music and media team that there will absolutely be a benefit moving forward that it, it's forced our musician to just be much more intentional and aware and focused in and how they're playing, and they've really worked on that presentation. Our singers, even even just voice inflection and and kind of the, the the styles and everything that they're doing, the dynamics of singing, they've really worked hard on. And sometimes in recording, they'll go back and they'll do a song two or three times to try to get it right where they want it. Well, that kind of focus and work is only going to benefit us moving forward. Yeah. Even when we're back to just doing all live services, the music and media team, uh, just the level of excellence is going to be increased. So I think that's a practical benefit that we're going to see long term. Moving beyond, and and it's just to echo, it, it's been the same for us. Um, you know, we've we've had you know we had cameras in our balcony, and you know we had it was it was okay. We were doing the preaching on Sunday morning and streaming to a private Facebook group on Sunday night, but we didn't have, um, you know, dedicated live audio mixer for streaming. Um, 
and now we've obviously we only have we only have that um and just that extra level of of excellence that we've tried to put forward as far as you know what we were able to do in our local church it has been the impact has been huge and we're like we when we come back together we cannot take this emphasis off of online ministry kind of like you because the yep. reach is phenomenal um and you know of course i know when you take a look back sometimes people only view your live stream on facebook for a, a few minutes at a time um but all i need is someone to listen for 60 seconds that's sometimes all people need to have their heart open to jesus and what's happening online it, it's a real evangelistic tool I know it sounds funny to say that because their life is so integrated online, but I think for many churches, they're realizing the internet is probably beyond the website, but the streaming of the proclamation of the gospel. So beyond social media, you know, campaigns or whatnot, the actual getting online and talking about Jesus, preaching the gospel is yep. powerful. We, we had in our local church um, of someone who had a family member that's working in a closed Muslim country. Um, right now that, you know, we don't, we, we can't send people to, and if we do, we don't tell anybody about it because it's, it's very, very dangerous. She'd been a backslider for decades. Um, and she prayed back through a week and a half ago and, um, has her heart's been reconnected to the Lord because she was able to get online and watch a service in Hamilton, Ontario. There's stories like this all over the place that I think is, you know, kind of waking us up to to that reality that the internet is not just a marketing tool, but it's an evangelism tool yeah. um, that we have been underutilizing, at least in my church. So true. Anyway, let's let's move on to uh, beyond Sunday. Um, you know, how are you? keeping people connected and conducting pastoral care. So more than ever before, the church has to, we got to find ways to keep people connected, keep people together. Um, and there are some obvious huge challenges with that uh, because we're all in shelter in place or, or on lockdown for the most part. How, how are you keeping people connected and leveraging your team to make sure that people are being cared for? Well, thankfully, some of that is happening naturally with social media you know, connected. We're, we're living in such a connected world when it comes to online social media. And we're just increasing the intentional effort when it comes to making those connections. I've, I've made a lot more phone calls and sent out a lot more text messages in the past few weeks than I was previously. Obviously we were doing that already. But that's just intensified when you're not able to have that personal one-on-one -on -one connection. Um, the very first week that we were without that on-site Sunday worship service, the bishop of our church made a personal phone call to every single member of our church and uh, just trying to connect, checking on people. And then my wife and I, uh, it seems like daily, it's just a nonstop barrage of text messages and phone calls connecting with people. This past Sunday morning before our online worship service, I text every single household within our church, and that was individual. And just spent, it was probably an hour and a half of sending text messages. But just trying to be intentional with that connection and just that, that personal touch that while it may be disconnected right now physically, that we can 
do the best that we can to stay digitally connected. So we've we've intensified our creation of online digital media. We have daily devotions from the church, just a variety of age groups and people within the church that are helping us create those. And we're doing it, uh, I always say, on, on a high level. They're all recorded at the church with the same background, same look, same format. And so when we're recording, pre-recording services, we'll have a group of five or ten people that will come in and do those devotions so that can be set up for the next week or two. I'm doing a more low-key, casual, daily video devotion just through Instagram and Facebook. We have Zoom leadership meetings. Uh, we started something back in January. Again, some of these things that we started prior to this that have been so beneficial, it's amazing to me, but every Sunday night we have a production conference call. And we started that in January that we would debrief our Sunday service. So we've just continued that 930 every Sunday night. We have this production conference call. There's 11 of us on the call. And we, we debrief Sunday, Wednesday, and we look ahead to the next Wednesday, Sunday. And so that's been so beneficial. We have Zoom prayer meetings on Monday nights. Uh, prior to this current reality, we had a family prayer meeting the first Monday night of the month. But we've now gone to every Monday night, and and we're we're doing Zoom prayer meetings with our church family. That's a private thing. We don't post that publicly. We're not making it available to the public, but it's just for our church family. And I'm having special guests join us. Victor Jackson, Chris Green, Josh Carson uh, are, are joining with us this month. So that's that's a way to connect. Our children, children's ministry, are creating more video content. They share through a Facebook page for uh, children's ministry. Our youth are doing weekly Zoom Bible studies. Uh, they were already doing that with guys and girls groups individually. They're just continuing that, and they're doing it via Zoom. Uh, I, I think, as you said, this use of the internet as a personal evangelism tool is so powerful, and people are realizing this. We baptized 13 people in the first two weeks after we stopped having on on sites. Wow! And so it's amazing. Praise God! It it absolutely works, and you know we were we were careful, and we were uh, using a lot of hand sanitizer, and just trying to be very careful in how we were doing all that, but. Uh, Evangelism has not stopped just because we're not having on-site services right now. It, it has created opportunities for ministry in so many ways. We're, we're ministering to our community in ways that we never had before. We've had a grocery grab-and-go where we provided groceries for 100 families. We had grocery bags that provided a breakfast, lunch, and, and dinner for a small family. We gave away 100 of those to the community, just had people drive to the church, pick them up. We've provided meals for our police department and our fire station. This last week provided meals for elders in our church. We're delivering DVDs of our services for those who don't have the internet. Uh, we've added a new online, or not online, but a new streaming service via phone. And uh, we've made that available for those who may not have access to our online video streaming. We've got phone live streaming where they can just call in, listen to our live services. Uh, so we've, we've increased our communication, I would say, just tenfold. We're doing a lot more intentional communication through email, through our website, even mailing letters. Every time I do any kind of email update to the church, we're mailing letters to those that we don't have their email address. Uh, we have a, a phone tree system, one call, and we're using that a lot more right now just to keep people updated on what's going on. So those are a variety of the ways that we're just trying to be intentional with connecting to people. Now, a lot of the people that are going to be listening to this are uh, going to be pastors as well as um, those that serve in senior leadership in the church. 
And I know one of the pressures right now um, on so many churches is um, is the financial pressure. There are there are mortgages to pay, there are bills to pay, and obviously we're we got all got in this to serve people and and God's the provider and we we know and we believe all of those things. But there is that practical reality of how can we create opportunities for people to worship God through giving. Um, and make that available when we are not meeting together. So how how are you handling things like giving and you know the financial aspect of the church at, at this time? I would say three specific things. Number one, don't be afraid to ask. The the bills still need to be paid. It, it costs money, and some churches have had to spend a lot of money, maybe upgrading equipment uh, to try to help with their online services upgrading equipment. And so don't be afraid to ask and then give people time to give. I think it's an important part of our worship service. And just because we're online, I don't think people need to feel that, that somehow, you know, they're, they're coming across like they're begging people for money or that it's somehow inappropriate to ask people to give and to worship through giving even though it's online. So don't be afraid to give, give people time to give in your worship services. And then you've got to make the opportunity to give very user-friendly, give them a variety of ways that they can give, spell it out for them. Uh, We created a video where I'm making a, an appeal to give. Uh, We created this video that is just tagged on at the end of every one of our, our worship services. So Wednesday night, even our live service, it ends with that giving video our Sunday worship services after everything is is you know ended and we've dismissed the online worship service and it goes right into that video. So we still give people an opportunity to give during the service, but when people are sitting there and they're involved in the service, they may even be watching on their phone. If they're going to give on their phone, they would have to stop the service to give right then. So while we give them that opportunity and time during the service to give, if they happen to be watching on another device, they have their phone ready, they could give right then. But we follow up at the end of the service with an opportunity to give because it's that reminder, oh, yeah, the service is over. Now I need to go give. And that spells out to them the ways they can give. The website, our app, text to give, mail, drop off, all those different ways they can give. So don't be afraid to ask. Give people time to give. And then make sure you give them the opportunity to the the way, the means to be able to give very easily. Um, And and so – um, may, maybe you mentioned this um, already, but what are you using for online giving methods? What what are those processes uh, again? So we use Planning Center online for all of our content management for our church. A lot of people have used that for years for services, for service production and planning. But we use that for uh, all of our content management. And there's there's a variety of of components within Planning Center. There's Planning Center people and giving and registration and services, which is the one that most people use. And so we use that for uh, comprehensively in our church. And so we use Planning Center giving, and there's a module that works through our website and through our app. And then uh, the text to give is also through Planning Center. And so uh, I know there's a, a lot of different options out there, but the process that we use through Planning Center, and perhaps because we're using their entire suite 
of modules that are available. We have a very, very, I think, fair, low uh, rate when it comes to the percentage that they take. And so we've been very pleased. Prior to this year, just in evaluating last year, 40% of our giving was online in 2019. Wow. So 40% of our giving was already online. So we were set up. Our people were already, you know, a pretty large percentage were already giving that way. Uh, the interesting thing to me is that since we have gone to online services only, our, our income, as far as how people are giving, has only bumped up to about 50% when it comes to online giving. We still have 50% that are just coming by the church and dropping their offering off or mailing it in. Okay. And which, you know, I'm, I'm grateful because it does save us that percentage. Absolutely. That uh, is not going to the credit card fees. Another thing that we did, we just discovered this here at the beginning of this year, actually in January, that through our, our online giving that you can give people the opportunity to pay those fees themselves. And we just had somehow missed it. We didn't see that that was an option until we were doing some transition in our internal financial accounting. And we realized that this is an option. So we've made that available. Now when people give online, they can click a little button that says, you know, take care of the fees. And so they cover those credit card processing fees for us. And then 100% of what they're giving is coming to the church. So uh, amazingly, as I've looked at our finances of the past few weeks, it's incredible to me. Our giving has actually increased. Our average weekly giving has increased since we stopped having our online or stopped having our on-site services and went strictly online. And I think part of that is just because we've been very intentional and specific in making that appeal to our church members to give. Uh, we have given them the opportunity and they have responded. I think they just have sensed the need because of what's going on and opportunities even to bless our community and people within our church that are in need. And so our giving has increased during this time. And I'm so thankful for that. I, I It's been the same for us as well. We use Tithely um, because we're all in on their, uh, their management uh, software and everything too. It's just a kind of a, the logical next step. Uh, and, and we have the default, uh, we have the cover the fees checked by default on our app, um, so people gotta yep. they press uh, they pressed to to not cover the fees and and we have found since we had that option like like you did that a majority of people want to cover the fees and increase their gift slightly to 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 manage that and one of the things like you Absolutely. said don't be afraid to ask to give. I think I think sometimes we underestimate the people that we lead and we're worried about the optics but I think I think that people you know if they're sincerely disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ the kingdom is they're they're striving to put him first and so if we create the opportunity and make the ask people will put the kingdom first and they'll do it gladly because they know this is where their blessing and their help comes from, and it comes from the Lord. And so when they put the Lord and his kingdom first, the, all these things will be added to them and their family, and um, they're, they're not afraid of that. So that, that's, that's, that's awesome. Um, kind of getting ready to wrap this, wrap this up a little bit. Two kind of um, – just two more questions I want to ask you. One of the things I've discovered through this whole process is how important principles and values are uh, both internally as a leader and as uh, as a leader as an organization, um, 
that principles have to drive decisions. And so what principles or what values are driving your decisions when, uh, as you've tried to figure out, navigate this kind of new world that's been thrust upon us because of uh, COVID-19? Well, first of all, I would say this, that God has not changed. No matter what else changes, God has not changed. Our mission has not changed. The Great Commission is still the same. We're still called to go. And maybe we even realize and recognize that more now than ever, that we have to go through whatever means is available to us using technology and innovative, creative opportunities more than ever before. So we're recognizing that, that we have to be more intentional in many aspects when it comes to ministry and personal relational investments. I mentioned earlier about this last year, taking some time really focused on the culture of our church. And I was doing that series on discipleship. I did a series on vision and values for our church. In fact, it took 11 weeks teaching through our vision and the values of our church. And those are available on our website if somebody wanted to see what we crafted to just kind of shape our church culture. And it's something that that we're continuing to focus on. But Daryl Johns said this, what you say and what you do over and over creates culture. And so culture is something that you just have to continually work on. You're not going to have a, a good culture naturally. It takes a lot of work and effort, energy, and you have to you have to have a common language when it comes to culture that you're saying the same things and that you mean the same things when you're using that, that terminology uh, within that culture. And so we've really focused hard on creating the kind of culture that we want within our church based upon values and, and principles from the word of God. And so I think during this time, those, those principles and certainly the values that support them have, have been uh, so critical during this time. And so you know, some of those are just that daily relationship with God, that that has to be priority and key. And uh, this current reality has certainly emphasized that uh, focus on the home and the family. That was one of the first things I said to our church board when we were becoming pastors, that the home, the family is going to be a focus for us, that we've got to invest in our, our families and we have to, uh, we've got to invest in our, our heads of households and really equip them. Uh, something that was a part of that January series, the My House series, is at the end of January, I challenged every family in our church to teach through a, a 12-week, a weekly Bible study, exploring God's Word or search for truth. And so beginning in February, our family started teaching through those Bible studies. Again, just incredible to me how God had set us up for what we're going through right now, how valuable that is. So that, that focus on the home and the family, just a love for people, a love for truth, a commitment to mission and purpose. Our purpose is to make disciples. Our mission is to serve God by serving people. And those values are serving us very well right now that, that we have to maintain our focus on purpose and mission. And uh, just, I think the commitment to make the most of this opportunity. We're, we're not victims. We're not victims of the government. We're not victims of the virus. I think having the right perspective right now 
that that God is in control. Yeah. That everything that's happening is is working within his plan. And and so if 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 we really believe that God's in control and we really trust God that he's not surprised by this, then we can make the most of this and not have some kind of victim mentality that, you know, woe is me, woe is the church, doom and gloom, you know, what's going to happen? Uh, what's, what's the future look like? I think we have uh, this sense of confidence and, and assurance. Paul said in Romans chapter 8, we know all things work together for good. And he concluded the chapter saying, I am persuaded. His persuasion was based on that revelation and understanding that we know God's got this. And so it gives us this confidence that we're going to be effective through this and we're going to come out on the other side and we're going to maintain that focus and that that vision and that commitment to our values that support the vision that God has given us. And something else that we were we were working on, again, we've been working on it for a year, is the, the need to move to a duplicate service format. Two services on Sunday morning, duplicate services. We've been working on that for a year. And I can see this is unfolding that when we come back together, initially, there's probably going to be a need to have duplicate services just to keep the number of people. It's a smaller number that are in the building at the same time for health reasons. Yeah. But I don't think that, that the justification will be for health reasons for very long. It's going to be because of the growth of our church. And so, again, God has prepared us for this moment. We've been working on this. In fact, Palm Sunday and Easter Sunday, we were supposed to have duplicate services, not able to do that this year uh, for Easter Sunday, Palm Sunday. But I think by the time we come back to uh, having on-site services, then it's very likely that we'll be doing duplicate services. God prepared us for that. We thought for other reasons that God knew what was coming. Before we go, in all my interviews, I always try to give – the the person the guest the person being interviewed the last word um and i want to give that opportunity to you just to close out this podcast with any parting words of advice or inspiration just kind of anything that's that's on on your heart on your mind that you want to share with uh fellow leaders i, I want to give you um the last word well thank you brother adam and I want to say again what an honor it is to be on your podcast. I am a huge fan of The Restorationist and a frequent listener. And I just, I'm so thankful for your apostolic perspective with a very relevant cultural insight that you have. And it's it's very powerful. And your voice is so needed and so appreciated in our movement. So I want to say thank you for allowing me the opportunity to be a part of this podcast today. And just in closing, I believe that this pandemic has reminded us of a couple of things. And I, I want us to be very careful in, I think, in how we, we manage the perception of what's happening right now. It has reminded us, yes, that the church is not a building, that we, the people of God, are the church, and that what happens in the, within the four walls of our church buildings it is not, in fact, maybe it's a smaller part of our, our whole spiritual life and what we do in the church. And maybe less of our focus should be there and a lot more of our focus should be outside of those four walls. Yet, at the same time, 
I believe it has reminded us how much we need this community of faith, how much we need each other, and how much we need what happens within the four walls of the church building, that we need that time together. We need to come together in worship to, to preach the word. And while I don't believe we will ever be the same moving forward, that our, our perspective has changed, maybe even some of our methods have changed, and certainly our, our mindset has, has changed. I believe our capacity is increasing at a very rapid rate right now. Yet at the same time, while we understand that ministry has to happen outside of the walls of the church, and it's happening right now in very unique and creative ways, yet more than ever, we need what happens in that church building when we come together and when we worship together. There is a dynamic that you cannot recreate online. There is something that happens at that altar that you cannot create any other way. We need that time and and that that moment when we are together as as we look at the I think the future impact and what our world looks like moving forward. It, it's very clear. God has has brought the world to its knees, literally. And then the gods of this world have been brought to their knees. The sports and entertainment industry, the financial world, uh, just the, the things that people put their hope and trust in and that they allow themselves to be consumed with and distracted by. In this, in this season uh, that we're in right now, I believe that God has the attention and the focus of the world, uh, at least when it comes to spiritual things, probably like we've never seen in our lifetimes. And to me, it's, it's the most exciting time in the history of the church and I believe moving forward we are going to experience tremendous revival and harvest before the Lord comes back and I think he's coming soon and for those who are ready those who are aware those who are intentional we are going to experience global apostolic revival